Right, we're looking at the gifts of the Spirit. A quick recap, just to remind you what we talked about so far. What are they? Well, they're gifts of grace that God gives to us. They're supernatural, not natural. Why do we have them? To equip the church in its task of declaring Christ. Who can receive them? To each one, grace is given. So we can all receive them. And in fact, we should all be in that position. And uh, we did a little study on 1 Corinthians and we started through that. I've divided the, the gifts up into three lots of three, which makes life easier. But just to say that it's the manifestation of the Spirit that is given for the common good. So the, the Spirit manifests himself. You, you don't think these things, they actually happen. That's what has to happen. Now we looked at the gifts and we looked at the first group which were the gifts of revelation, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits was the other one. By the way, we should anticipate having words of wisdom in the meeting and words of knowledge in the meeting. If God puts on your heart Maybe something that uh, perhaps has never happened to you, but you just have a sense that someone's got a bad shoulder. Then you let us know, and we'll announce that, and if there's someone there that it fits, we'll pray for them, and you'll see that God actually deals in these things and works in these things. A word of wisdom as well. Sometimes people are in situations they might share with us, and we don't know what to do. And God suddenly drops something into your heart. Just a little idea. You've got to get used to hearing the voice of God. That's a very important thing. Now the gifts I'm going to deal with today are the gifts of power, which are faith, gifts of healing, that's plural, and miracles. Okay? So let's have some miracles here today. Yes? Are you with me? Amen. All right, let's do that. The nine gifts that we have often overlap, so... One works with another. But we're going to look at these, the, uh, the gifts of power, if you like. And we're going to look at the gift of faith. Now, there's going to be various scriptures coming up that you can look up with me, and maybe some we'll look at more than others. But the gift of faith, it's supernatural faith we're talking about here. It's not, you see, faith can be divided up into various uh, sections, there's what we would call saving faith, that faith that drops into your heart when you want to believe on Jesus Christ. Unless God did that in our lives, we would never know him because he has to open our eyes to see it. Remember John Wesley wrote, my eyes, uh, I'm trying to think, of the, my eyes were open when they been in the dungeon, you remember he was singing the hymn about being in the dungeon, and God spoke, and a flash of light, and suddenly we have an illumination. We have an understanding of what's actually happening. But it's not that faith, that saving faith. Um, it's not fruit either, not the fruit of the Spirit. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith. So there is a fruit of the Spirit as well, but it's not that. It's a supernatural faith. And one of my definitions, it's bringing God's faith to bear on a situation, all right? Bringing God's faith to bear on a situation. When you know beyond doubt that it's going to happen, that something's about to happen, God speaks. When God speaks, things happen. 
God spoke the worlds into being. He spoke the worlds. So when God speaks, something happens. And in some ways, sometimes the channel can be irrelevant. The prerogative is always with God. It's, it's a sovereign act of God that he does. Now, look with me in Mark chapter 11, would you? Because here you have a definition of faith that Jesus himself gives. It's the, we've had the, we're coming up to the last week of the life of Jesus. And during that week, he comes and goes back to Jerusalem and Bethany between the two with his disciples. And they've had what we call the triumphal entry when Jesus comes and they wave palm branches and various things. And Jesus comes and he looks around and he goes back to Bethany, a little way from there to stay with Lazarus and his sisters. The next day they come and they're coming back to, let's start at verse 11 of uh, Mark 11. Jesus entered Jerusalem and came into the temple after looking around everything, he left for Bethany with the twelve since it was already late, so they went home. On the next day, when they'd left Bethany, he became hungry. Seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. You may think this is a bit strange, but the fig tree produces two lots of fruit, an early fruit and a late fruit. This should have been the, the early fruit, but it was, although it says it's not the season for figs, it means the main season for figs. But Jesus came, there was nothing on it. And Jesus said, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples were listening. Now some people have said, that's a bit petulant of Jesus, isn't it really cursing this fig tree because he didn't have any early fruit on it but Jesus was using it as an example of Israel but then they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who were buying and selling in the temple overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves you remember that scenario now let's go on a little bit further um, when the evening came in verse 19 they went to go out of the city. And as they were passing by in the morning, coming back again, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered, get this, saying to them, have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes in what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Then he goes on about prayer. All things which you pray for and ask, believe that you receive them, and they'll be granted to you. Now, this is an example of the, the gift of faith coming. Jesus cursed the fig tree. Now, he cursed that one. If he'd done a general curse, all fig trees would have died. But Jesus cursed the fig tree, and it happened. Why? Because of faith come into the situation. I've got so many bits of paper here. I don't know why I brought so many bits of paper. 
I just want to read some. Go to Matthew 17. I'll give you a concrete example of this in our own lives in a moment. Matthew 17. Verse 20. He said to them, <coughs> they'd come to him and said, why couldn't we cast out a demon out of someone? They, and he said, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which is a minute seed, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible to you. That's the sort of faith we're talking about, the gift of faith. I believe when Jesus talked about the, these things here, about moving mountains, he's not talking about just us screwing up our eyes and uh, trying to muster up faith. I think he's talking about the gift of faith here. And faith withered the tree. Now let me give you an example that happened in my life. I've said this one often, but I, it's such a so apropos I want to do it again. And I met the man that this happened to just a few weeks ago. We had a brother who came... He was a salesman or an engineer for an electronics company. And we were, when he was in our area, he'd come to our meetings. He was a good friend. And he was there one evening and he, he came and he said, would you pray for me, please, because I've got a stomach complaint. I don't know what it is. I've had it for about three weeks. I've been to the doctor and uh, they can't find out what it is. And God spoke to me. And I knew within an instant that the moment I put my hand on him, he'd be healed. I knew it. And if you said to me, it won't happen, I would have laughed at you. I knew, in the, and it was the gift of faith. God had given me a gift of faith. And I put my hand on him, prayed for him. He jumped up, said, it's gone. It's gone. Ran around the room. Now, as I say, I saw him a few weeks ago. Still going on with the Lord and uh, is, is a blessing. That was the gift of faith. And I believe sometimes in situations when you're praying for people, God gives you the gift of faith. Now you have to take hold of it and act on it and God does something. That's one of the gifts of the Spirit. It's the gift of faith. So would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5? This is a verse that... I've, I've never heard anyone else preach on this. But to me, it's the answer to so much of what we, we need in terms of uh, faith and things. Hebrews 5 is about Jesus being the perfect high priest. And then he goes on about the fact that they're a bit dull of hearing. They can't hear what's going on. They're not spiritual. And verse 11 says, Concerning him... We have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you've become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you come to need milk, not solid food. They've gone backwards somehow. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he's an infant. 
But listen to this. Solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Have you trained your senses to discern good and evil when God speaks to you? We can learn, it says here, that you learn by doing. And as you do, you grow in your expectation of what God can do. That's why it is that some people prophesy a lot and some people uh, might have a word of, of knowledge or something like that because they've learned to hear the voice of God and do it. And when they do it, it encourages them in their faith to do it again and again. You know, I've said to you that the difference between a ministry and a gift is the gift is something God gives to you to give away. The gifts of the Spirit are for you to give to other people. When, <clears throat> when God gives a ministry to someone, he gives a person to the church who ministers in those things. But that's what happens. It's the gift of faith. And I think faith is vitally important. Just looking to see what, what other bits of paper I've got knocking around here. Got things on. One more thing I'd like to say about faith. Go to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. Now Galatians is a, is a mini Romans. If you're having trouble getting through the book of Romans and understanding it, go and read Galatians. It's the mini book, but it's a wonderful book. I love it. I just love it. <coughs> Verse 3, uh, chapter 3, sorry, verse 1. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? They had people coming in ministering uh, untruths and lies and such things, heresy. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? That's how you receive the Spirit, by the way. You come in faith to God and let him fill you. It's not done on your virtue. It's not done on your ability. It's not done on your understanding of the Bible. All of those things are good things. But it's by faith that we receive the Spirit. So did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? They started in the spirit. They've gone backwards. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then does he who provides you with the spirit and works miracles among you do it by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Faith is the key to the spiritual life, you know. That's, that's the answer. Whatever your question is, faith comes into this. You have to believe. You have to know God. You have to know what he's wanting to do. Faith is how we get saved. Not by our works, not by our background. It's not by being Jewish or Gentile or anything. We're not saved by those things. We're saved by faith. And that's what Paul comes down to. He talks about having to deal with Peter, who got caught up with the law again. When a lot of Jews came to uh, one particular place, Peter reverted to his Judaism to a degree. And Paul said, I had to confront him face to face 
and say, why are you doing this? If the Gentiles are saved by faith, why are you trying to turn them into little Jews? That's what he's saying. Taking them back into the law and these things. We have to get the balance on these things. But faith is the key. It's the key to everything. So the word of faith or the gift of faith, have you ever, just stop for a moment and think to yourself, have I ever prayed for someone and thought, this is going to happen? This is going to happen. I know this is going to happen. As opposed to, I'm praying with a desire in my heart for them to be blessed, but, you know, it's got to be God. Have you ever had that sensation? Yeah, keep, anyone, anyone else? Have you never had that? Plus, you never prayed for someone. Pray for someone. You'll find out that God does wonderful things. And it's faith. That's the gift of faith. When it's hard to believe that it won't happen. I think that's a, a wonderful gift and we need it. Now we're going to go on to the, the next, which is the gifts of healing. Now did you notice it's plural? It's not singular, it's not the gift of healing that I have, it's the gifts. God gives them individually as he wills. So it's a gift that's given when needed. It's not permanent. I can't. There are people that have ministries in healing, don't get me wrong. They are people that God uses in that particular area, a lot. But when we're generally working, we come to pray for someone because they, they, they need it. And it's, they're one-offs, as it were. And healing, really, is bringing God's health to people. Now, I would recommend that you listen to what Kev said a few weeks ago about it. It's an excellent message and uh, will help you a lot. But look in Acts 10. Another one of my favourite verses. Acts 10, 38. <clears throat> it says this. This is Peter. He's preaching to the Gentiles. And he says this. In verse 38. You know Jesus of Nazareth. How God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That's a good definition, I think, of, of healing. It's Jesus Christ coming and healing and destroying the works of the devil, because that's what happens. The devil comes and brings sickness and various things. Now, I know that healing is a, a difficult area, but sometimes... What you're seeing in front of you when someone's sick is the work of the devil. And Jesus dealt with those things. Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, we have a situation where Philip, who's one of the apostles, goes down to Samaria. And Jesus has already been there and prepared the way. You remember in John 4, the woman of Samaria there, they sat on the side of the well and they talked. And Jesus used a word of knowledge, you remember? Said to her, go and bring your husband. She said, well, I don't have a husband. He said, you're quite right. You've had four and you're on the fifth and going down the road to the sixth and who knows what else. This was a word of knowledge. And she, it just broke her open. And so she went back and said in her village, come and see a man who's told me everything that I ever did. 
And they were all, and they welcomed Jesus and they were ready. So when Philip goes down to Samaria, miracles start to occur. And it says that, um, verse 7, in the case of many who had unclean spirits, they were coming out, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in that city. You see, healing is the breadbasket of the gospel. You know, Ukraine used to be called the breadbasket of Eastern Europe. It supplied most of the grain, the wheat and various things. Chernobyl caused great problems, but that's why there's a lot of uh, high prices going up at the moment because grain is non-existent in those places. They can't harvest it. But the, when I say the breadbasket of the gospel, people come for a healing meeting because they, they have a need. And when they come, they hear that Jesus is the answer to the need, not only physically, but spiritually. And they receive and they respond. Uh, Dave Latham's doing the meeting next Saturday night at uh, New Life. He'll be staying with us for a couple of days. And they've titled it about healing. And that's good because people need healing. We all need healing. So God comes and he works in these things. I'll go away now. All right, thank you. I had a neighbour who was a strange man and uh, I used to, my mother and, 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 her, and this man's husband, uh, wife, were very good friends and uh, I'd sometimes go in with them when I was a child and I'd sit there and we'd, we'd sit in the room chatting, the two ladies and me, and he'd come in, turn off the light, take out a light bulb, put in a lesser wattage light bulb and go out of the room. It's very strange. I'm beginning to feel a bit like that about these microphones. <laughs> but healing turns people to the gospel. That's why we preach healing. Um, and it, it often works with the word of knowledge, which is uh, very important. Healing is something that we'll be called on to do. If you're going to pray for someone, you're believing that God's going to heal them. You can't heal them. All right? If you get that in your head, you can't heal them, but God can. And God uses the likes of us, miracle as it is, to bring healing to people. So take the opportunity to pray. I don't know many people who turn down the opportunity of prayer. And if someone's sick and you say to them, do you mind if I pray for you? They probably think you'll go away, take on a, and adopt a holy pro, pose somewhere and pray for them. But when you say, can I do it now? They get shocked. But that's when God wants to work. And it's one of the gifts of the Spirit. Don't forget that the gifts are there as the tools, the working tools of the, the Christian. So we, we do those things. So what happened here in Acts 8 because of the miracles that took place, because of the healings that took place, the people believed. And that's what happens. People believe. We had a, a couple here, a um, lovely couple. They had twins as well. And the guy, Pete, went off on a trek to India with, um, with a team. 
And when he came back, he said, things have happened to me in India that have never happened over here. He said, I prayed for someone in a village. And they said, would you pray for this man? He's blind. So I took a deep breath and prayed for him. And when I left, he was still blind. But when I came back three weeks later, they said, would you like to meet the man that you prayed for who's got healed of his blindness? Now, why do things happen in these places and not happen here? I wish I knew. I can speculate, but I don't know. But people are in need, and when God comes, he meets the needs, and it becomes the breadbasket of the gospel. It gives you that opportunity. That's why a lot of the people flock to Jesus. They didn't say, what I want to hear is the teacher talking on Deuteronomy. <laughs> they came and said, help me. Lord, I'm, I'm a leper, I'm this, I'm that. Are you willing to help me? And Jesus said, I'm willing. I love that verse. So it often works with the word of knowledge. It can often work with faith and the, the word of faith. So take that into account. Another bit of paper. I must clear out my Bible. Now the third thing in the gifts is miracles. Let's read back in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12. Each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. One is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another word of knowledge, another, uh, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles. Effecting of miracles. It's the working of miracles, but it's the effect that the miracle uh, works in you by the power of God. Uh, a miracle will affect a situation by the power of God. And here's my definition, is a supernatural intervention into the natural realm. When God does something supernatural. And I can think of various ones. Um, again, I've said these things before. The church, there was a church that came out of this church that started in Reading. When I say came out of this church, the people that were in it went down to Reading. But it started by a group of people being asked to go and speak in a Baptist church. So they went and they took a van because they took an organ with them and they needed a van to get them there. And after the meeting, they couldn't, they couldn't start the van. And it was a diesel, they ran it up and down the road, pushed it. And there were loads of people from the church all pushing and pulling and various that couldn't start. So one of the crazy characters from our church said, let's lay hands on it. So they laid hands on it and commanded it to go in Jesus' name, got in and it started. <laughs> now, that was a miracle. Don Double used to tell a story of having a, a woman on his team and they went somewhere and preached. And this woman was uh, breastfeeding her child, but she'd left her child in the understanding that she'd be back in time to feed the child. But the keys for the van were locked inside the van. And they couldn't open the van. They tried everything. They couldn't get in. And so someone says, as we all do, when all else fails, pray. <laughs> so they prayed for it, went up, turned the handle, the door opened. They're miracles. I remember driving down in a crisis situation down to Brighton, and we had to get there very urgently. I won't go into the details. But we came up and 
we came to a set of traffic lights that was um, one of these sequence ones. You get the right one right, you get them all right. Um, get them all wrong as well if you get them wrong. And as we came up to this, they changed to red. And we said, in Jesus' name, change. And they changed back. And we went through all these lights. And after it's happened, I, I always have to say, did you see that? Did that? Was that me? Did you? God does things at times. And we don't often recognise it. But supernatural intervention into the natural realm. Mark chapter 8, you don't need to look at it. It's the feeding of the 5,000. It's a miracle. How did it happen? I don't know. But it's interesting that they bring back 12 basketfuls of food at the end, having started with one basketful. Why 12? And I can only think it was for the 12 disciples that they saw exactly the abundance of God and how he can do things. But it's a miracle. We've had times when, you know, we used to feed everyone in the church at one time, at uh, lunchtime on a Sunday. Don't expect it. <laughs> but we used to do it and someone would sit and calculate who went to what, what, what house many is the time someone said we didn't have enough we'd had 20 people to feed or 12 people to feed we didn't have enough but I kept doling it out and doling it out and in the end everyone had enough and we had some left over who's had that happen to them it's happened the feeding of the 5,000 the turning the water into wine that's a miracle, a real miracle. And it's, it's said, it's noted as the first miracle. The Catholic priest came through customs and the customs man said, what's in that bottle? And he said, holy water, my son. He said, let me taste it. He tasted it. He said, this is whiskey. He said, praise be another miracle. <laughs> but it's water into wine. And do you know how big these jars were? They held gallons and gallons and gallons. We're not talking about two or three bottles of wine. We're talking about gallons of the stuff. And of course theologians come along and they have to argue about it. Some say it became wine when they dipped in and they poured it out. Others said no, it was wine all the way through. But it was only... Who wants to argue about it? But that's what happened. Peter being released from prison was another example. That's a fantastic story. You know, all the doors open, all the guards seem to be asleep or disappeared. What happened? Sam, do you mind if I mention, I said to Sam the other day that we would pray, and in fact there was a group of people praying at that very time for him. And he's had some trouble with uh, a bit of violence. And you said... Three police cars parked around your area? There's three police cars, unexplained police cars, parked around the area where he lives. So as he came home, if anyone wanted to do anything, they'd see the police cars. See, I regard that as a miracle. That God does something. Who knows who were in those police cars? I don't know. I don't know. People used to say about miracles, you know, well, now let's put it like this, about... 150 years ago, German theologians decided to rewrite the Bible, taking out all the miraculous. Pun? Absolutely. It was a lot of nonsense. And so they took out everything that was miraculous. They would have had a very thin Bible at the end. Perhaps that's what they did it for. But 
you know, they cause umpteen problems with liberalism and things in, in the church by doing this. One of the things that they used to say is that when Moses was fleeing with the children of Israel and they came to the Red Sea or the Reed Sea, whatever you want to call it, um, that really what happened was the water was only 18 inches deep at that particular point. That's how they crossed. They've missed the point. They've missed the point entirely that the miracle was that God drowned the whole Egyptian army in 18 inches of water. <laughs> we lose a lot when we take the miraculous out of things. God wants us to, to really know that he wants to do miracles. And he's done them in my life, he'll do them in your life. We may not always see it, you know, it's miracles when an angel appears. Uh, the trouble with angels is that by the time you realise, hey, this is an angel, they've gone. <laughs> but I've, I've heard so many stories and there's so many people say about being met by people, dealt with by people. My, my favourite was, was Nellie, who used to live upstairs to us, trying to get on a tube train with a heavy case, a really heavy case. And she said, I, I didn't know how to do it, it was a rush hour. And she said, the train came and the door pulled up right next to me. And this tall, tall man with a lovely smile picked up her case, put it inside. And she turned around to thank him and he, he wasn't there. He just wasn't there. I love that, the compassion of God in these things, how he deals with these things. So we've talked about faith, the gift of healing and miracles. We're going to go on to other ones next time. But... Has this gone off? Yes. Oh, it's all right. Okay. We're going to go on to others. But I want to encourage you about the gifts. I said before that they're the working tools of the Christian. So you don't have to break glass in an emergency. They're things that happen. And I said last, last time, be aware of them. Because when you're aware of them, you're not so hesitant to use them. Have the expectation that God will give them. And realise that faith is a requirement to use them. They're all things that are very necessary. I'd like us to start moving more in the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure that you've received things but you've not known it. It takes faith to, to stand and say something or do something and, you know, stand up and say, well, I think someone might have a bad toe. That nothing's too small for God, believe me. From toothache to toe ache to you name it, anything. But if you feel that that's the case, tell us. No one's going to come back to you and mark you out of ten. Tell us. Come out the front and say, you know, if you don't want to say anything, tell one of us so that we can say. And you'd be surprised at what God will do. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, gift of faith. If, you, if we're praying for someone and you just feel God's put something in your heart, in your heart, that he wants to do something through faith in you, come out and join us. Now, we have here some leaflets that I mentioned last time. Um, and these leaflets are based on how you can find or understand your own ministry. Now, you don't have to return them to us when you've looked at them. But we'd really appreciate hearing from you what, what did come out of these. You just tick little boxes and at the end you, 
it says you're a prophet or an apostle or a whatever. Notice I start at the top. But if you take one, take it home, read it, look at it, pray over it. Because sometimes we need a little encouragement to know where our place is in the body of Christ. It's remarkable how when God um, chose ministries and gifts for us, how many people turn out to be helps. I don't think that you need to worry about that. But I think that God wants more than helps. He wants people who will be working in the gifts of power, the gifts of healing, miracles, and all these things. And you have to step out somewhere, sometime. I'm not going to bring so much paper in future. I'm going to confuse myself here. But just take those. We're going to have a time of worship. And I want to encourage you, if you want prayer, you can come and get it. But why not ask the Lord and say, is there anything you want me to share today? Maybe the Lord will put something on your heart that happened during the week that will be a real encouragement to someone else. And it's just the word they need to hear. Because God believes in the body. We work and we encourage one another. Okay? Let's just pray. Father, we commit ourselves to you and we... We don't want to be the people in Hebrews 5 who have grown dull of hearing what you want to say. We want to be those that need, require meat, not milk. We want to be those that hear what you say and we do it. Lord, please help us in these things. You know that we're nervous and, well, just in these matters. So, Father, we pray that you'll just speak to us now while we worship you. And if you have something you want to say through the body, we appreciate that. We want to hear that, Lord. So just bless us now, Lord. We just surrender our hearts to you. We love you, Lord. We want to be your servants. We want to hear what you have to say. Because the Bible says we live by every word that proceeds from your mouth. Thank you, Lord. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.